Pour out the cider and sprinkle with spice. It's time to find out if you've been naughty or nice in Grampus. Thank you for that treat. Uh, I always, I, I like to mix it up every once in a while with some different voices. I'm not a voice actor in any way, shape, or form. But the movie theater voice, I mean, we just have to vary it up every once in a while. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we will. Maybe I'll do the one for next week. That, that would be fantastic. Oh, yeah, you have to for next week. Well, we'll talk about that at the end of the show. But welcome back to the Monsters vs. Men podcast. This is the bargain basement of the Kaiju podcasting airwaves. Today, as we try our best to stay alive, we're discussing, as you heard at the top of the show, Krampus. Now, is Krampus a Kaiju, Alex? If it isn't, have we officially decided to cover films outside of the kaiju genre? Uh, yes, and yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is a kaiju, and yes, we will cover films outside the kaiju genre. Absolutely. Which we already have. Yes, we have. Right? Like, we already have um, with our Toho sci-fi series. So, uh, I'm Eric, by the way. And I'm Alex. And Alex, you suggested a new intro segment here that I think was a great idea. And so what we did is we asked our patrons for some ask us anything questions. Um, and they asked some questions here. Uh, I've compiled a list of questions from our patrons. Um, and I want you to choose a number between one and seven. Three. Okay. Number three is from... Kyoitoshi, uh, and she asked, who is the goat in the Ultra series, and why is it Rui? First off, I don't even know who Rui is, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Second Rui, off. I, I had to look it up. I think it's Ultraman X. Like, she's, it's the girl in Ultraman X. Oh, okay. I thought she was saying the best uh, Ultraman, like, host. Is that not what she's saying? Yeah. Okay. R-U-I, Rui, I think. Is, oh, is yep, you're right. Yeah, it's coming yeah. up for me on Google right now. Oh, <laughs> she's pretty great. Now, I will say, I think I was a sucker for the scientist in Ultraman Z, though, mm. this time. thought she was hilarious. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, as I would tell Kyoi, uh, I have not seen Ultraman X yet. I am still... I'm watching Ultraman Z, but I am working my way through some of the older series. Once Ultraman Z finishes, I will be watching some of the more modern mm. Ultraman series. Um, I'm a big fan yeah. of Z. I'm a big fan of Z so far. So I'm excited yeah, to see how it is. What, how many episodes are there, are there left? I think it's at the like, time of recording this. At the time of recording this, I think it's like two, two or is three. 25 or 26? I don't know if it's 25 or 26. It's uh, definitely one of those. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll find out when it ends abruptly. What about you? Uh, do I like Ultraman Z? No, no, no. Her, what was her question again? Who's the goat? <laughs> Who's the goat? Uh, uh, the goat is Ide, is the goat um, oh, from Ultraman. You know, yeah. I, I can't really argue too much with that. <laughs> um, but I would counter with Sevenger. 
<laughs> that's a good counter that's a good counter <laughs> i do like it all right uh thanks Kelly, for uh submitting that question next week we'll have another question from one of our patrons to start off the show uh and if you want to become uh, a patron and a bargain basement club member you can do so over at patreon.com slash pod and you could submit some ask us anything questions but yeah. alex Let's go ahead and jump into Krampus, shall we? Let's do it. All right. Before Godzilla, King of the Monsters, Michael Doherty directed 2015's Christmas family horror flick, Krampus. Based off the legend of a half-goat, half-demon, evil counterpart to St. Nick, Krampus asked viewers to make evil a new part of their Christmas tradition. My question to you, Alex, does this blend of holiday and horror fill you with cheer or does this movie make you want to find the nearest reindeer? What am I? What am I gonna do to the reindeer when I find you're it? You're gonna you're gonna ride that reindeer as far away as possible. <laughs> like, am I assaulting this thing? Like, am I gonna be giving no. it like the biggest like? Am I gonna deck it immediately? You are um, going to you are going to ride that reindeer uh, as far away as possible. Well, l- luckily for that reindeer, <laughs> this uh, this movie definitely fills me with cheer, despite the happy slash not so happy ending. Um, I really enjoy this movie's like energy uh, from the mm. get go. It's what I really like about it is like how it's completely misleading. And suddenly we witness the monsters feeding. What's really <laughs> impressive is that even if you know what's going to happen, it still manages to like lull you into this almost predictable false sense of security. Mm-hmm. It's a great trick before we meet the evil Saint Nick. And what I like about that is how very quickly things get out of hand. And even better... They immediately kill off the sister, which shows that this evil Santa is a trickster. It's like this really interesting feeling that we, we get where they kind of build her up to be the supporting character for Max and immediately get rid of her, which really, it gives the impression that everybody's expendable and you don't know when anyone's going to go. And I really, mm. I really like that they did that because she feels like an integral part of the movie and then suddenly she's gone. Yeah. She definitely does. Uh, you know, I actually might have some issues with that, but um, I'm honestly still trying to figure out where I'm at with this one. At the beginning of this film, I was definitely ho ho hoing, but by the end, I was kind of no no knowing. You know, uh, <laughs> the credit sequence, the credit sequence at the beginning is a horror film in its own right. Mm-hmm. But instead of monsters and chopping, we get mothers and shopping, right? Uh, <laughs> in all serious, though, the credit sequence was just this distinctly American type of horror that if you know me, it really got under my skin in a good way. Uh, I also love how the film uses a juxtaposition uh, with the music and the film and the events that are happening on screen. Like there's that cognitive dissonance it creates where we hear rest in heavenly peace while someone is really getting chopped into pieces. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the biggest challenge of, of this film though is handling that complex tone. Um, and I think it succeeds in some places, but maybe fails in a couple others. What about you? Did you think it handled the tone well? Yeah, yeah, I actually do think that it handles the tone well. 
And I also recognize that this could be hard for a lot of people to swallow, especially if you go in wanting strictly a comedy or strictly a horror movie, you're definitely going to be disappointed. What I really like is that during some of the most intense horror parts, I'm both worried for the people involved and laughing at the predicament that they're in. The key to this, though, is that the cause of my laughter is like 100% intentional, which mm. I have to give big props to Doherty about this because he, he actually, for me, really nailed the tone. Mm. Even more so, I like the monster designs in this. They are terrifying and hilarious, uh, especially the teddy bear, the angel, and the jack-in-the-box. They're all yeah. really great, but also funny, like the more you look at them. Mm-hmm. And especially when we see all the interactions that keep happening with these monsters. I re- <laughs> like the angel, every time, it, its whole thing is it just falls on someone and thrashes on them, but it never actually does anything, which is really funny. And then the way it dies is even better. Where it gets like stuck to the mantle and it just has mm-hmm. set angel inside the wreath. <laughs> yeah. I just really like how they did this. But what I really like that isn't funny is the design of Krampus. The way mm. they just designed his overall silhouette alone is really cool. But the decision to make his mouth and like just the way his face looks is just, it's kind of perfect. Yeah, I agree with you, uh, Alex, that the comedy here is 100% intentional. And it makes me think about some of the aspects that I did enjoy uh, from Doherty's Godzilla King of the Monsters. Um, and I think there's some interesting tie-ins, you know, maybe between this movie and, and, and his approach to this movie and his approach to Godzilla. Um, but, you know, I think there were a couple directions this film could have gone in specifically. It could have taken an even more comedic approach. Um, It could have taken a strong horror approach, or it could take the difficult task of blending the two, which is what exact is, which is exactly what Doherty attempts to do here. And I do think that's logical, right? Like this Mm -hmm. is a Christmas movie. Even if the jolly old red coat is replaced with the demon bred Billy goat, this is a Christmas movie. And for my personal taste, though, I, I think I would have wished if we, if we could have gone a bit more family friendly or a bit less family friendly. Hmm. Um, and so basically what I'm saying is the tone didn't work for me all the time. So a bit more family friendly would have meant that the moments of reconciliation between these opposing forces in this dysfunctional family would have been more meaningful to me. As much as I wanted to enjoy uh, that moment where Aunt Dorothy shoots the angel into the wreath, um, or Tom and Sarah's ever so slightly rekindled romance, those moments are tainted by the fact that you mentioned earlier that Beth, the sister, is probably dead, (laughs) and her characters would just not be acting so nonchalant in this type of situation. Um, Being a bit more family-friendly would have meant embracing the differences between these families even more while keeping our main characters alive and working together to defeat the sinister snowman and the, and Krampus company. Right. Um, right. Now, of course you do trade that sense of threat with that approach. So there, that's a challenge. But on the other hand, a darker, less family friendly approach might've diminished the Christmas feel, but it would have upped the intensity and probably eliminated talking Christmas cookies, which was a downside for me. <laughs> ah, I got you. And, uh, of course, we have the end. So what did you think about that end? Was it too dark for the rest of the movie? 
just right. Uh, what was your takeaway? Well, uh, real quick, I actually enjoyed the Christmas cookies. I think they are rather uninspired compared to the other monsters for sure. But they do bring this strange Christmas feel with them. That is part of the movie. And they feel more more Christmassy than any of the other monsters. And so I, I do appreciate their inclusion. I think it's funny when they're getting torn apart and they're all like slowly burning alive. Like mm. <laughs> I think actually that is pretty funny. But I can also understand the disappointment of the lack of imagination regarding them. Now, as for the end, yeah, it's dark. But it's not as dark as it could have been. And I'm not saying that's a good or bad thing. But I do wonder, like, what's a darker fate? Losing your whole family and becoming like Omi? Where you've watched everyone die? Of course, she didn't really like her family. Um, But (laughs) the ones that were taken away. But what's darker? Losing your whole family because you threw some scraps of paper away? Or getting to live a Groundhog Day scenario celebrating Christmas? Uh, Obviously... (laughs) We, we don't really know for sure what happens in the globe world, but I really like that tinge of darkness when everyone sees the Krampus spell in that moment where everything is perfect and then everyone realizes what's actually happened. Mm-hmm. And it's like the real, what had happened to them all comes flooding back. I really like that note. And I, I don't know what it all exactly means. Obviously they're stuck in this world. I don't know if they're going to be repeating Christmas forever. It seems that way. <laughs> Um, but you know, the kid gets, he gets his monkey's paw wish of wanting to be with his family at the end. But mm-hmm. I just, I just like the, you know, this, this messaging <laughs> just being like, enjoy Christmas because it's a special time of year or you get put in a snow globe. <laughs> well, <laughs> the, the ending is certainly provocative and I would say it's very dark. It flips the film a bit on its head. So Max, of course, our main protagonist, really, Mm -hmm. uh, asked for Christmas to be just the way it used to be, which is this idealistic wish that probably was never realistic to start with, right? His ideal Christmas never existed. But what he gets, instead of the imperfect yet temporary nature of most of our holiday Mm get-togethers, he gets the perfect but permanent hellhole (laughs) of what I assume to be a never ending time loop of inauthenticity. Mm -hmm. And that's a dark take and a dark ending. And it might be even darker than the rest of the film up to that point. Oh yeah. But I do like the takeaway from it because basically, yes, it's like enjoy Christmas because it's a special time of year, but also like realize it's flawed, right? Like everybody's flawed. Um, And we're going to have to deal with each other's flaws throughout, Uh, like throughout the holiday season. Like, like this is your family. You're going to have to get together with them and deal with their flaws. I do think um, we could have explored that aspect a bit more throughout the film. Um, And and maybe that would have gone more with a family friendly approach. I'm not sure. But like the the opening credit sequence, as I mentioned, that had such an American like uh, frenzied tone to it. More of that could have come up throughout. Uh, It it just never does again, really, um, until the end, which feels kind of this dark, sadistic twist on a perfect Christmas. Mm. which which I do I do think that is a cool ending, even if it is rather dark. B 
because mm-hmm. someone tore up a letter <laughs> <laughs> because they didn't they decided they didn't believe in Santa anymore. Yes. Yes. It's pretty dark. Yeah, pretty it dark. is. I, I I really liked it and I was very surprised by it the first time I saw it. Yeah, for sure. Well, hey, on MVM Plus today for our Bargain Basement Club members, we're gonna talk all things WB legendary and Godzilla versus Kong. <laughs> At this point, Alex. Do we even have any idea what's going to happen? No. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about it all on MVM Plus over at patreon.com slash MVMPod. All right. But you know who I really Oh, no. S- s- <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. if I Should, should we, Alex? Yes. <laughs> I agree. I agree. It's, it's not my So you know kid. who I want to hear from? You know who I want to subject us to, don't you? Yes. I want to hear from the Theometer. Welcome back to another Theometer. This week. This week we are talking about a spooky monster named Krampus. Are you ready to see Krampus, Thea? Yes. Yes? You think you're going to be scared? No. No? All right. Well, let's take a look. So at this point, we have Max, and he's facing up against Krampus himself. Do you think you would be scared? Well, look at this monster, and you tell me. Do you think I'd be scared if I came in contact with this monster? Looks like Santa Claus. I mean, I want actually want to like be like like see that like in general, mm-hmm. just like watch it like for like a show. Right in the show. Huh? How scared do you see him? Like a zero to one hundred. Yeah, how scary. Probably like uh like fifty. Fifty. Mm-hmm. Oh, he is pretty spooky. Now that makes it for like the sixty. Oh yeah, that one part that makes it sixty. That makes it sixty. Mm-hmm. So he genuinely right there. Uh oh, he's wiping Max's tear off of his eye. What do you think he's gonna do? Is he gonna be turned into a good guy? I think it's gonna like eat it. He's gonna eat the tear. Uh huh. Those are Let's his see. like probably young assemblies. I'm, I I think I'm too scared to go on. I'm too scared to go. On. <laughs> Dad, you're a grown up, all right. You're a grown up. This is true, but I'm still a little scared to go on. All right. So I think this is where we sign off. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I really want to watch more before I review mother. <laughs> but I don't want us to get too scared. I'm not gonna get too scared. Yeah, but I might get too scared. This has been another. Well, when you cry, you get too scared. I might cry just like Max shed a tear. <laughs> this has been another. Be honored yeah, this, this week. week. Oh my, oh my, Eric, who did you show him? <laughs> I haven't done it yet. <laughs> oh my god. I'm gonna show him Krampus though. You're gonna show him Krampus. Absolutely. Okay. I'm so glad you showed <laughs> Eric. I'm so glad you showed your child Krampus. This was a. Good decision that won't ruin Christmas. <laughs> well, okay. Theo is not a typical six-year-old, if I'm being honest. Uh, like, he's he's very... He, things just don't get under his skin like that. So, uh, as long as I preface it correctly, he'll be fine. Okay. <laughs> don't ruin Christmas for him. Uh, if you did it's gonna be great mvm plus content (laughs) (laughs) let's go ahead and jump into our awards um first up coolest character 
Who do you have, Alex? Aunt Dorothy. <laughs> Aunt Dorothy with the shotgun. Yeah, well, uh, I, I like I like Aunt Dorothy with the schnapps. Or? Yes, Aunt Dorothy with the schnapps. I was gonna say she's probably shotgunning a beer at some point, but uh, I really like that. I just I really like this character that does have like this. She's the reluctant hero. <laughs> Reluctant hero, yeah. <laughs> She's got good aim. She takes care of the kids. I mean, does she? Does she give them alcohol? Yes. <laughs> to be fair, they're being attacked by demons, so yeah, I think yeah, <laughs> yeah. quiet just, them up a little bit. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> no, but I really do. I, 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 she's a terrible person, but actually, you know, I say that, but then we also see this other side to her. She's uh, redeemable, man. She, she is I, honestly like as I'm thinking about mm-hmm. it, she is a little bit redeemable. Well, we, <laughs> Not we much, see, but she is. Well, um, we see that the insulting know. exterior isn't who she really is when she finds out that she actually does offend um, mm-hmm. uh, Sarah, her yeah. Tony uh, Collette's niece. character. Yeah, Tony yeah. Collette's character. When she offends her in the kitchen, and then when she sees that she's actually made her mad, she quickly backpedals, and we see the side of her that we don't really see the rest of the. We see maybe hints of it at most, but we see the real her, and she's like, "Oh, I'm sorry." Like you know, I'm just get, and then you know she gets shut down pretty quick. But I think this character actually has a lot of depth, and you know, she wields a shotgun and takes out the most monsters of anybody. A lot of depth might be stretching it, but Eric, each, Eric, <laughs> each character in this film does actually have more than what they portray, right? Yes. Um, well, th- that, I think that's, that's part of the holidays of as well. You know, like. When you get together with these people, they're almost two-dimensional because you haven't kept up with them a lot in your life. So there's just like these things you remember from the previous Christmases and stuff like that. And then as they all get to know each other better, they all tolerate each other better. And it does help that they're, you know, have the threat of dying. But <laughs> I think it really does have that going for it. Yeah, for sure. Um, my coolest character was Ami. Of course. Um, though she may be the reason this entire thing is happening. <laughs> uh, I did love that animated flashback sequence that we didn't talk about yes. yet. That showed her backstory. I think that fit the tone of the film really well. Um, mm-hmm. And I think her as a character was, she was very, um, at times, you know, she was, she's very warm. But then she, you could also tell there was a dark, sinister side. Um, she's been through some stuff. And I just mm-hmm. liked her throughout. And I like the sacrifice that she made at the end. Yes, I do too. Even though it achieved nothing. I, nothing but no, no, but anything, no. Which I, is I, an issue. <laughs> yeah, well, and but I, I do like that moment. And I, I her character is really interesting. And she does bring she does bring that only tinge of something ominous happening uh-huh. before anything actually happens. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, but that, that that's another point, Alex, that you mentioned, though, is, uh, as I'm thinking about it here, is it's just ultimately I think some of the actions in this film feel inconsequential um, because oh. of the tone at times and because of the ending, which I think doesn't make it for me like the best rewatchable film. I already know what's going to happen. It's like that's what happens when you watch just, a movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You watch well, it again. Yeah, you're like, but- oh yeah, I've seen this before. This looks familiar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except you know that the characters 
are all living through this before, right? <laughs> um, so and it's just interest, interesting. Anyway, most, most memorable line award. Uh, mine is super dark. Uh, and it's Linda talking about the tablet. She says, gotta die sometime. Might as well enjoy it while we can. <laughs> and it's about the tablet. Yeah. But, but it's about more than the tablet, right? Yeah. Uh, it's about life in general. Uh, and it's, it's a dark, dark sentiment uh, that I think fits with the ending of the film. And I think, like, if you weren't paying attention, you would probably just skip right over that and not think about it. But that's pretty dark. Yeah, yeah. It, it is pretty dark. Uh, my my lines from uh, Dorothy, um, <laughs> she says, "Yeah, it is when she hears Omi say the say their her line, uh, and no one else, no one except for Adam Scott's character understands it, and she comments that you know says that we're effed, and they ask how she know that she says I'm old enough to know when life <laughs> is coming at me with its pants down." <laughs> Man, you really, you kind of had a thing for Aunt Dorothy, I've noticed now. Yeah, you know. You know. Uh, can't believe the acting award, Alex? Uh, I think it's going to be Dorothy. <laughs> uh, I, I've never seen her real name before. Uh, Conchata Pharrell, I believe, mm-hmm. if I'm saying it right. Or Conchota. <laughs> Maybe not one. Maybe not that one. Um, so... I think she did a really good job of portraying this character who is equal parts funny and also like totally not that person you want at the holidays to being a a little more human than we think. It just, she just has a lot of depth. She does a really great job with this character. I think, you know, I think she's, I mean, she is, she might be the snapping turtle of this movie. I'm not going to, you know. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so, mine is David Cockner um, as Howard. Maybe that's how you pronounce his name. I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah, it is. But he is, you know, he is a quintessential jerk in just about everything he's in, right? <laughs> and so, he is that classic character actor, but he brings that character acting perfectly into this film as Howard. Uh, <laughs> like, there's that line, you know, where his son burps at the table, you know, and he's like, that's my boy. That's my boy. <laughs> <laughs> so proud. Uh, and he is just so proud. And that's him, you know. He is the shepherd protecting his flock <laughs> that falls asleep. <laughs> yes. He, he is just Howard. Um a hundred percent like he brings he's the perfect casting choice for that character yeah oh yeah yeah <laughs> I, I love him in anything he's in he's usually oh, yeah. <laughs> he, oh, he, he's do, he does always almost play the similar character but i'm totally down for it absolutely <laughs> <laughs> what about your uh standout effect award so mine was my favorite monster moment of this entire movie. And I, this was a moment that I thought was genuinely terrifying and exhilarating. And it's that moment where we see from Beth's perspective, Krampus on the roof. Mm. And then Krampus jumps from one roof to the next. Um, and you're like, oh my gosh, that thing is intimidating. <laughs> yes. Right. Um, 
And that effect, uh, it could be classified as maybe an, oh, that's a good shot award. Uh, but the CGI used there just looked realistic. Uh, I really appreciated uh, Krampus jumping from roof to roof there. Yeah, that, that's definitely one of my favorite moments. And, you know, I, I, I could just go with Kramp- Krampus's overall design because it is mm-hmm. phenomenal. But I'm just going to go with the angel. <laughs> I guess the angel of death. <laughs> <laughs> she uh, that that little thing is the reason I like it so much is because it is absolutely the tongue. Terif- yeah, the tongue. oh yeah, the tongue. <laughs> it's absolutely <laughs> terrifying looking, but it, it's also really funny because it just keeps doing the same thing over and over, and it's completely unthreatening other than how it looks because <laughs> mm-hmm. it doesn't actually damage anybody. But I just like the way it looks and that it's all it's horrifying and funny at the same time. Which yeah. I, I, that's what I like about a lot of the monsters in this. Is this in the Jack in the Box? You know, we haven't really talked about it, but I really like that thing. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did like most of the monster designs in this film. Uh, it felt like Gremlins, right? I could see <laughs> um, that. Yeah, yeah. It's this. This felt like kind of an '80s throwback in a sense. Um, kind of mixing horror and comedy and creatures that terrorize. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely Chucky, Chucky Gremlins <laughs> mix of 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 sorts. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not an easy film to sell or make. Like, right. to, I, I can't imagine no. pitching this and then having someone let you make it is uh, a whole other thing. So, I, I give this movie a lot of credit for just being something different. No, I, I agree. I agree with that a hundred percent. What about your "Oh, that's a good shot" award? Um, mine's gonna, you know, I was thinking about when, uh, I always forget her name. I keep calling her a sister because she dies so soon. Beth. Beth. Uh, I was thinking about the moment when Beth is walking in the middle of the road during the blizzard. Uh, but you know, I really like that final shot of it shows the family in their house and it just zooms out. They're in the snow globe and it just keeps zooming out to see all these snow globes all around Krampus's workshop. And it's just a nice little haunting little moment to leave you with after a, overall i think a pretty funny film yeah yeah no i like that i like that um mine is a small moment from one of my favorite characters which is sarah the wife uh tony collette's character she takes the entire family back inside howard's trying to leave right um and he's unable to he's blocked off but but her character comes and grabs them and then shuts the door and it's just a moment of of uh, complete like authority from her where she takes control of the situation and the way that she shuts the door and the way the camera moves around the door, it felt like that was going to be a switch uh, in the action. And in a sense it was, she did take more of an authority role after that moment I noticed. And I thought it was a really good way to frame that character. So it was a small moment, but but that's the one for me. I really like that moment because it has all the snowmen out front. And I just like yeah. the snowmen are all these people that have been taken away yeah. and turned just turned into snowmen. Uh, I like yeah. that. That was good. <laughs> um, hey, bonus award. Oh, how about darkest death award? Ooh, I think I think we got, I, I have to give it to the first death, and that's Beth, mm. and she gets. Uh, because I think what's darkest about it is that we don't really see it. We just we just see something attack her, and you assume that she just completely gets pretty much eaten alive. 
But I think when we see the Jack in the Box later, I think it's pretty hilarious when he's <laughs> caught eating one of the sisters. <laughs> what about you? No, I, I, I'm with you. I think the sister was probably the darkest. As I'm thinking about some of the others, though, it might be uh, Howard and Linda's boy who doesn't have a personality but goes and eats the <laughs> gingerbread man <Yes>. <laughs> and gets caught like a fish on a hook yes. uh, up the chimney. That one's pretty dark too <laughs> because it, it involves the whole family trying to save them it and does. they fail. <laughs> but see, that's the thing that that whole moment is so dark, but then me and Cece both laugh when his shoe falls and hits David Cochran oh. right in the face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I, that's, it's just hard. It was hard to balance the tones. And as I said, I did laugh a lot. Like, I was laughing far more than I was scared or, like, oh yeah, for terrified sure. in this movie. It, it is. It leans more comedy, right? It leans more Definitely. comedy for sure. But I still question some of the characters' motives and, like, the character attitudes throughout the film. Like, we have people dying and like we're cracking jokes, you know, yes. like yes. Uh, it, it's hard. It's hard to balance. Um, so like maybe that leads us into our rating uh, here, Alex. And ultimately for me, it just comes down to how much enjoyment I found in this movie. And as I already said at the top of the show, I enjoyed the first half of this movie a lot. And then I was scratching my head more in the middle moments. Uh, and I did like the end because I thought the end gave us something to think about even while maybe potentially uh, eliminating any sort of rewatchability for me. Uh, Krampus, I know you like the design, but it didn't end up feeling near as intimidating when he finally appeared. Um, he didn't do as much as his minions, right? And right. I, I wonder if some of this was due to the fact that of the, the PG-13 nature of this film. Um, there's just so many tones to balance here. This was a near impossible task. And so I'm with you. Like, I'm glad somebody had the guts to try this um, because it is a unique movie. I don't think it succeeds at the highest level, uh, but I don't think it fails either. Um, and I did have some fun with this film. So I'm giving this one a three out of five. Mm. Yeah. I, I for me, I think this movie does everything that I want it to. Uh, it gives me some great laughs. It delivers on the on horror. It's pretty light horror, but it does deliver on some horror, and it's making me laugh during it. So, which is which, endlessly uh, impresses me when I see someone able to do that. Now, from the monster designs to the pacing, there's really a lot for me to like here. I'm never bored. Uh, it, <laughs> I love thinking being lulled into this false sense of security, thinking this is just a typical Christmas movie, and then t- things take a sudden turn in thirty minutes into the movie. Uh, and I think, <laughs> but I think the only blip on the radar for me in terms of negativity is that once the elves break into the house, I think everything wraps up too quickly. Every we have a large group still together, and suddenly everyone just vanishes pretty quickly. And yeah, they all get destroyed by that snow monster. Well, there's that, but they also like which one is of them, like pretty, one of them also goes in, pretty cheap, right? Like that to me felt a little bit. Yeah, I, I wanted to know what it was, uh, I, but what I what I also I kind of like and I kind of don't like the mom goes and tackles the 
<laughs> the Jack in the Box and just rides it out the window, <laughs> which is pretty funny. And then uh, Cochran's character does a very similar thing. And it just kind of, I was okay with them, but then it is the snow monster that kind of makes it, oh no, wait, the mom doesn't do it. The dad jumps on the Jack in the Box and rides it, <laughs> rides it uh-huh, out the window. Uh-huh. And, uh, and then, you know, the snow monster, I wish we had found out what that was. Uh, mm-hmm. that would have been nice and made, maybe, maybe a little more scary if it was like everything else. But I do think everyone vanishes a little too quickly towards the end, but that's really my only gripe. Cause I really like the ending. I like what happens between Max and Krampus and you know, that this is a nice surprise. Uh, yeah. I've, this is the second time I've seen it and I liked it just as much this time. So for me, it'll be a, I'm going to give it a four out of five and this is the top mm. of my Krampus Christmas movie list. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I got you, Alex. Well, <laughs> next week we do have quite the surprise, <laughs> uh, <laughs> quite the monster film, I would say. Oh, yes. Yes, yeah, so we do. And, uh Alex we are watching. You want to you want to you want to say? Yes, we are watching Jingle All the Way. <laughs> <laughs> so Alex, we have a joint rhyme this week. Are you ready to go? I'm ready to go. All, all right. right, you got it. Yeah, so up next we have Jingle All the Way. Booster is a kaiju. I don't care what you say. And if you don't count Booster, you have an Arnold, a monster of monsters to be praised and marveled. <laughs> Booyah. <laughs> Booyah! <laughs> boop, 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 boop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Jingle All the Way is on the TBS app, so don't worry if you, if if you haven't seen it in a while, you can you can check it out over on TBS. Yeah, well, just make sure that they don't do the cut that they did for everybody else recently, yeah. where they cut the last ten minutes out. I heard that. I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go watch it on the app so that doesn't happen to you. Because um, the last ten minutes. Uh, yeah, they're they're essential. Some would say they are. You know, they're essential. like the, they're the end of the movie. They are the quintessential <laughs> aspect of the movie. <laughs> oh, gee. All right. Oh. Well, as always, as always, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MVM underscore pod. On Letterboxd, we're Eric Neely and Alex Cornette. Email us, mvmpod at gmail.com or leave us feedback at mvmpod.com. Of course, you can leave us questions and receive MVM Plus episodes over at Patreon at patreon.com slash mvmpod. Um, and if you feel so led, leave us a review on iTunes. Your review really does help. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornette. Executive producers are Faye Basir and Michael Herndon. Special thanks to our wives, Rock Band for PlayStation 3, Senor Honda, Drew the Collector, our Instagram connector, and you, the listener, as always, for listening. Until next week. Try to stay alive. So, do we tell people we're doing? Jingle all the way to with Larry the Cable Guy this week or next week? Uh, next week, Alex. We'll, we'll break it to him then.